Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball. From Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast presented by Reality Sports Online. My name is Kyle Yates, and I am your host, and I am joined as always, by Ray Garvin. Ray, how are we doing tonight, man? Doing well, Yates. I'm excited for the this show. This is a really cool format. I think a lot of people will uh, enjoy this, man. I'm, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, we've been kind of mentioning this here or there as we've gone throughout, uh, you know, the past couple episodes. We've been kind of skirting around it, but no, we're diving in, man. This is time. We got to get everyone ready for the 2021 NFL Draft and, of course, getting ready for Dynasty Rookie Drafts to kick off and everything like that. So we are talking our final running back evaluations here on this show. So this is going to be a really good one. We're going to split it up into two parts here. So, and we're going to run it through, run through it in like a little bit of a unique format. We're not just going to sit down and like, just read off our scouting notes of the tape that we've watched and all that. Now we're going to go a little bit in depth here. We're going to do uh, a different format here. We're going to have it be a conversation and we're just going to have some fun getting you guys prepared for your rookie drafts. But before we do that, I've got to tell you guys about our YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Did you know that all of the dynasty podcasts here are added to YouTube? You can go over to YouTube right now and see Ray's beautiful smiling face. You can see it <laughs> over there. Uh, you got exclusive content like our latest NFL mock draft show, which can only be found on YouTube. And if you enjoy the show, please consider just taking a few moments out of your day to subscribe to our YouTube channel and help it continue to grow. And also click the bell to get notifications when every new video drops. Again, that's youtube.com slash fantasy pros. And additionally, guys, if you like taking breaks from work, if you enjoy it, like no shame here, no judgment whatsoever, make sure that they count by using the draft simulator over at fantasypros.com. It's extremely fast to use. You can get a draft done in 10 to 15 minutes, sometimes even five minutes if you want. Take that little quick break from work in between projects, go over to the draft simulator, not knock out a mock draft in record time. It's free, costs nothing to use, and it also has dynasty support. So you can go in and do a dynasty startup mock draft. We've done that, right? Ray and I just did a dynasty startup mock draft. You can do the exact same thing, or you can do a dynasty rookie draft up to six rounds. Super fun. 
fast, easy to use. Again, that is at fantasypros.com slash draft wizard, fantasypros.com slash draft wizard. All right, Ray. So what I wanted to do here with this conversation as we move into final running back evaluations is again, I mentioned, I just didn't want to go down like our top 15, right. And just kind of just go like, okay, what are your thoughts and feelings on this guy? No, what I wanted to do is go through these in superlative form here. So what we're going to do is we've got five different criteria here, five different superlatives that we are going to run through in this episode. And then we'll run through a few more in part two, and then we will give our top 10 rankings in part two, right? So stay tuned for that. But what we're going to run through here is superlatives. We're going to run through a few of them. And Ray, I'm going to hand this over to you first. So you know which five that we're talking about here tonight. I'm going to give you the first pick, man. Who, what superlative do you want to talk about? And who is that player? Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, let's start this off with the most elusive running back. Because that's what people want to know. Who, what, what, Which one of these running backs is the most elusive? And for me, uh, it's probably a guy you wouldn't expect, but if you know me, you probably do expect it. It's Najee Harris, the running back out of Alabama. To be 6'2", 230 pounds, and have the feet that he does inside the hole, you constantly see him make defenders miss, uh, leaping over defenders on in the sideline, the power. I just, you know, that that size, he shouldn't be able to move as quickly laterally as he does. So Najee Harris most elusive running back for me in this class. It's a surprising name because when you think about Najee Harris at, you know, you mentioned at 230 pounds, you're not thinking about elusive. So break it down at least a little bit more. Like what is it just because of his size and how elusive he is operating within that? Because I don't, I think that there are other guys who can make people miss more than Najee, but when you do, they're operating at 30, 40 pounds less than Najee, right? So is, are you taking weight into account there, or what makes you exactly buy into Najee Harris as the most elusive running back in this class? Yeah, I think he's got the best footwork. He's got the best feet. When you talk about from the time that he gets the ball in the backfield, his decision-making in the hole, and then that one-cut ability. And I think a lot of times, you know, Shady McCoy, Barry Sanders, those type of juke elusive moves are at the forefront of people's minds. But if you really watch him run – and the way that he can manipulate defenders with that excellent footwork, he makes a lot of defenders miss on first after first contact before he's contacted. And again, yes, to be that size and be able to have uh, the footwork that he has to make him make defenders miss, it doesn't look the same as a smaller, shiftier running back. But I think Najee's the most elusive back in this class. He definitely can make people miss and threaten defenders in the open field with a variety of ways, right? You, if you're a safety meeting Najee Harris at the second level, you have absolutely no idea if he is going to work around you, hurdle you or run through (laughs) you. And that just makes him so completely dangerous. So I love the selection here of Najee. It's a little bit off the wall, but I do love it. I'm going to go with a five foot eight, 199 pound running back. That's Michael Carter uh, out of UNC. Now Carter might've weighed in just a little bit over, uh, 200, but he's in that range, right? He's a smaller running back compares to Naheem Hines. And we've talked about this before. Like that is kind of the comp and the style in which Michael Carter is going to play. But I'm talking about him here as the most elusive running back in this class, in my opinion, because of his burst and acceleration. I, I use this term all the time in my scouting profiles and in the work that when I'm writing up these guys that Michael Carter is an angle buster in the open field where a safety is coming in, uh, you know, Michael Carter works on an outside zone. He reaches the open field 
and the safety is coming in. He thinks he's got that angle. He's got that tackling angle to be able to make that play. What Michael Carter can do with his acceleration and burst is he just hits that extra little gear and it throws off the safety's angle. And now the safety is reeling because he's coming full force and he's not able to meet Michael Carter where he thought he was going to be, right? He's now at a different at a different spot. So Carter is going to be able to make defenders miss in a variety of different ways, whether it is through being able to throttle down and then accelerate his momentum or being able to shift side to side with that horizontal, that lateral mobility. He's excellent with his footwork and being able to still move his feet while still moving laterally. It's it's one of the traits that I love the most at the running back position. So being able to set up his defenders with footwork, you're not going to get your hands on Michael Carter very often. So I'm a big fan of his. I think that he's not going to be a three down workhorse back. He's just not. That's not how his skill set, how he profiles, but what he can do from making defenders miss, he's going to pick up chunk plays at the next level. So Michael Carter running back out of UNC is the most elusive back in this class for me. What are your thoughts here with Michael Carter and specifically me, including him here with the most elusive superlative? Yeah, I just think that, um, you know, when you look across the board at all of these running backs, um, none of them have the type of lo- the elusiveness that most people probably think about when they hear that word, right? Because you do think the juke move, like LaShawn McCoy, you know, Shady McCoy breaking defenders down, Saquon Barkley breaking Saquon, defenders right. down. Yeah, but none of them are really elusive like that. They've got their own, you know, unique ways in, in which they make defenders miss. But none of these guys, Carter, Harris, Williams, none of them move like, you know, most people would think. And I just think listening to you explain why Carter – uh, was is the most elusive for you is is different from mine, but yet very much the same. Before we keep moving with today's episode, I want to take a quick second and tell you all about Reality Sports Online. Reality Sports Online aims to provide fantasy users with a realistic and engaging online general manager experience by simulating the front office operations of a professional sports franchise through its sophisticated platform. In other words, you get to manage your fantasy team like an NFL general manager. This entails everything from a detailed free agency experience to a rookie draft to franchise tag and contract extension decisions and so much more. All of this is done in an intuitive and easy to use interface as well. If you're sitting there thinking that this sounds incredibly complicated, I've got good news for you. It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're up for the challenge? If you're not 100% sure if you're ready, you can test your general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. It's simple and easy to set up and send to your friends. Head over to realitysportsonline.com and use the promo code FANTASYPROS to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. All right, let's move on to, let's go best power back here, right? So the power, the power, player that we are going to be able to insert in just a downhill running scheme that is going to win with power. I'll let you go first again here. Who is the best power back in this class? Yeah, I've got Javante Williams, your guy, Marco Carter's teammate at the University of North Carolina. I mean, Williams is an absolute tank. He is a hammer. I think he led the country in like broken tackles, truck sticks. I'm not joking. He, He runs with an attitude. He runs physical and you see him punish defenders time after time again. 
uh, he's his his power. I think translates from day one on whatever NFL team he lands on. I mean, you don't have to look any further than that Miami run, right? And when I say that Miami run, you know exactly which one I'm talking about, where Javante Williams, I mean, breaks like four or five different tackles, just lowers his shoulder and just bowls this defense, this poor Miami safety or, you know, (laughs) corner. He just sends him into next year. So, yeah, I think Javante Williams is not exactly when, when you think about best power back. I think there's a guy that I'm obviously going to talk about here, but in just a second, but I think pound for pound what Javante Williams brings to the table absolutely is worthy of classifying him him here as the best power back because what he's going to do is he's going to win by engaging in contact and that is where he's willing and able he has the frame at 220 pounds he's able to engage in contact but then he pairs it with his balance and that is something that I absolutely love about Javante Williams is not only does he have the power to engage but then he also has the balance to support it so when he does engage with a defender it's not like he's just going right down he's just crumpling and you know that's that's where the play ends no he's then able to find his center find his center of gravity and then just continue chucking along so yeah I think Javante Williams is going to step into whatever scheme I think that he's scheme versatile where you can put him in a variety of different approaches and attacks and he's still going to be able to provide you value because not only does he have enough speed and athleticism but then he can pair it with his contact balance so love the inclusion there of Javante Williams now I was going to ask you about Williams when we're talking about him here David Montgomery was a comp that I recently came across because when you're looking at Williams's like uh, his measurables right at 220 pounds it's around what David Montgomery is you think about how they win it's a very very similar way in their contact balance David Montgomery's you know say what you want about Montgomery but his contact balance is one of his best traits he does not go down on first contact he's always fighting for additional yardage and I think that that's how Javante Williams is going to win at the next level so I just wanted your gut reaction like as a comp for David Montgomery to Javante Williams what do you think about that I I don't that's the first I've heard that but I don't I don't dislike it like I think that's a fair one uh for me he really reminds me of Chris Carson that's that's who he reminds me of Oh yeah and I mean Chris Carson was all is always willing to engage in contact yeah. and he's yeah. not going down on first on first contact there so yeah I like that Okay so for me best power back I am going to go with the 230 pound running back in this class. I'm going to go with (laughs) Najee Harris, right? You talked about him with being elusive, but yet he also combines that with power. And this is something that I love about Najee Harris's tape where you looked in 2017, 2018, 2019, whatever you looked at Najee Harris's tape and you said, man, you're 220 pounds at that time. (laughs) Now 230, like engage with the defender, lower your shoulder. He was constantly trying to go around the defender, make them miss and it just wasn't working and or he was trying to hurdle and getting himself into weird situations. You're like, no, don't do that. Just lower your shoulder. You're going up against a 200 pound safety at the second level, like just lower and engage. And in the, towards the end of the 2020 season in his tape and to, especially, or I'm sorry, at 2019 season. And then especially in the 2020 season, you definitely saw this. You saw uh, Najee just take an additional step here with being willing to lower his shoulder, engage in contact and win with power. And I talked about that when you were mentioning the elusive part to, of his game, that that's what makes him so valuable is that you don't know how he is going to, how he is going to beat this defender that's coming in on and in trying to engage with him. 
Is he going to go around you? Is he going to go through you? Is he going yeah. to go over you? You just absolutely <laughs> do not know with Najee Harris. So yeah, yeah, I think power back absolutely worthy of including him here. And I think that he is going to be the, the main guy that we think about when we're talking about power at this class. Now I did want to mention a lower tier name here, a guy that we, I, cause I, I think just talking about the top tier guys in these superlatives isn't necessarily the most helpful. I wanted to include some of these other guys. So Ramondre Stevenson, we talked about him here on a, on a recent podcast. I think it was that that was our sleeper episode. I was talking about Ramondre Stevenson, the running back out of Oklahoma. Now six foot, he was listed as playing at 247 (laughs) pounds shows up to the senior bowl at 227 pounds. So now there's a discrepancy where, okay, what did you actually play at? Because if you were playing at 247 pounds, he actually is a pretty good athlete for what, you know, for playing at that weight. But then when you say, okay, do you weigh 227 pounds and that's what you played at and you were just grossly overlisted. Okay. Now we have some concerns as far as your overall athleticism ran a four, six, three 40 yard dash at his pro day recently, which again is it's not, terrible there have been some pretty productive running backs who have ran in the four sixes especially when you factor in his size but including Ramondre Stevenson here because he reminds me a lot of Jordan Howard Jordan Howard coming out was that guy who was just so economic with his space and being able to make defenders miss and have just a great understanding of where defenders are I see that with Stevenson but yet Stevenson combines that with great power willing to play with a low pad level willing to play with a low center of gravity and be able to engage with defenders and pick up additional yardage so Wanted to include Ramondre Stevenson here, uh, here in this superlative of best power back, but the title goes to Najee Harris. Yeah, I mean, that's what makes Najee so good is because I think he can do everything. He's a power back. He's elusive. He can catch the ball. That's just what makes him so good. But uh, So I'm up, right? My turn to pick this superlative, and I'm going to yeah. do one that we're going to agree on so we can kind of talk about this guy together. But the best receiving back And uh, I've got Kenneth Gainwell, and Yates, you have Kenneth Gainwell as well. And honestly, I don't feel that this is really much of a debate. Gainwell, (laughs) I I mean, he's he's a phenomenal pass catcher. I mean, what he did as a redshirt freshman at Memphis, you know, combined with his rushing. But I I think he's not only just the best pass catcher in terms of, of, of securing the ball out of the running back position, but literally probably the most versatile. Like, you can line him up and let him run some slot. Like, you can see him be utilized, like, in that way that Le'Veon Bell did some years back with the um, with the Steelers as an abs- as a weapon out of, the, out of the backfield. So, I mean, we both have this guy as the best receiving back. I mean, just add to it because he's phenomenal in that aspect. Yeah, so I go through when I'm doing scouting, and I've scouted 21 running backs at this point, and I assign a grade for each individual category that I've got. And one of them is, you know, receiving hands, right? Their, their pass-catching ability. And honestly, it's not close as far as like the next (laughs) running back with Kenneth Gainwell and for Gainwell to do what he does as a receiver from a running back position, right? Like there is a, there's a catch that he has where he's, I think he's either running a wheel route or he's lined up out wide. I can't remember what this play happens at the sideline and it's a back shoulder, back shoulder, back shoulder (laughs) catch. You know exactly which one I'm talking about. And it is just absurd for a running back to make that type of grab. So I think with Gainwell, and he, he's comped for me from a height and weight perspective, but then also play style, a J.D. McKissick. Now, McKissick hasn't exactly produced to the level that I think Gainwell will in the NFL. I like Gainwell more than I do J.D. McKissick, but that's at least yeah. the play style and how, how they're going to kind of project Gainwell to the next level. So 
I think that he is going to be able to step onto whatever into whatever offense that he lands in and just be that most reliable receiving option for that running back yeah, or for that quarterback. You know, I think of Tampa Bay, like Tampa Bay mm. has Ronald Jones and the Leonard Fournette and the Keyshawn Vaughn experiment as far as pass catchers out of the backfield. Newsflash, it hasn't worked. So you're going to need to add someone to be yeah. that pass catching running back like and Gainwell just slides right in there so naturally, whether that's in the back of the second round or the potentially the third round. So yeah. I would love to see Gainwell land there because like I said, it's not even close. And then not even to mention what he just did at his pro day, right? Measuring <sighs> in at over Gosh. 200 pounds and yeah. running. What did he run? I'm looking it up four, right four, now. Four, two, four, four, two. Four, four, two put up what? 22 20, reps. Yeah. 20 something reps. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's crazy, man. Like, yeah, yeah, 4 4, 21 reps, weighing in at 201, a 4 4 2. Just crazy. So, I don't, yeah. again, it's kind of with Michael Carter, it's the same thing where I don't think that he's going to be that workhorse back. At 202 pounds, it's likely not going to happen. But yet, he can be that guy who gets the six targets, five, six targets per game, and then gets the five to seven carries per game. Like, that's going to have value specifically in fantasy football. So, really, really excited about Kenneth Gainwell. Is there another guy that, you at least want to highlight here as far as like maybe lower down the board for the best receiving back. Travis Etienne is in that conversation, but of course he's one of the guys that we'll, we'll talk about here as towards the top of the class. He's a great pass catcher in his own right. Is there anyone else that stands out kind of lower down the board that you might want to mention as far as best receiving back? Yeah, I think um, a, a player that that I'll touch on in a little bit um, is... <sighs> It's 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 between Elijah Mitchell from uh, Louisiana and and then I want to say I want to say Kylan Hill. Kylan Hill can catch the ball as yep. well. We saw that early uh, this past season before he went out, but it's it's Gainwell by a long shot. Yeah. So let's talk about Kylan Hill. So uh, moving on to the next superlative here, we're gonna go highest ceiling, and I'm gonna go with my mm. guy first. And I'm gonna talk about, of course, Travis Etienne, like. ETN, of course, just has the if he lands in an outside zone scheme, you know, like I, I think of either San Francisco potentially in the second round or the New York Jets, like someone running that style of offense where he's just going to be able to utilize his speed and, and athleticism, but then also be a crazy utilized pass catcher out of the backfield. Like, I don't say this, but lightly, but like, I think 750 and 750 is absolutely in the cards for Travis Etienne at one point in his career, maybe even a thousand and a thousand. Like that is kind of the player that I think he can be wow. in the NFL as far as a thousand rushing yards, a thousand receiving. That's a lofty goal. I'm not going to yeah. say that like wow. definitively that that's going to happen, but yet that's what he can be. Now, Kylan Hill running back out of Mississippi state. It's crazy. The difference in his 2019 usage versus his versus his 2020 he was a predominantly like he was utilized heavily as a ball carrier out of, you know, out of the backfield. I think he had over 240 rush attempts in 2019 and then only played three games in 2020 had only 15 total carries on the season, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but 23 receptions yeah. averaging over 10 yards per clip. So Hill, as far as a receiver, really, really smooth, really, really natural receiver. Now the passes that were coming his way were not exactly the most accurate. And you saw him continuously, you know, reaching outside of his radius to be able to bring in these, these catches and making them look just natural and smooth. So I think Hill, if he lands in an offense and, you know, I talked about Tampa Bay, if they don't want to, if Gainwell's off the board and they want to invest in Kylan Hill, like Hill has the versatility where he can be the ball, primary ball carrier as well. I don't think that that's his strong suit, 
I don't think that that's how he should be utilized exactly, but he does have some tremendous upside as far as a receiving back out of the backfield. Great in pass protection too. Just knocked it out of the park in that department yeah. at the Senior Bowl specifically. So really interested here with Kylan Hill, kind of one of those sleeper guys that not many people are talking about, but I have him ranked pretty highly. We'll find out next episode where exactly he lands <laughs> in my rankings, but really excited about Kylan Hill. I'm glad that you mentioned him there. Yeah, and he, um, you know, he did show this past season in limited limited games that he is very smooth out of the backfield, but he had done that earlier in his career. So he is one of the names. He's starting to pick up a little steam, um, but not probably not nearly enough, especially if he's drafted anywhere like early day three. That would be outstanding for a player like Kylan Hill. Um, for me, the player that I have with the highest ceiling is somebody that, uh, I mean, I loved going into 2019 and was excited about here in 2020, and it just didn't come to fruition in 2020, but that's Chuba Hubbard, the running back out of Oklahoma State. Listen, Chuba is not particularly good at great at a lot of things. He's not the most, to be six foot one, 210 pounds almost, he's not very physical, he's not good in pass protection, he can catch the ball in the backfield, he was utilized on special teams at Oklahoma State, um, he's not super agile, but the one thing that he is good at, and he is really, really good at, is in a zone blocking scheme, identifying the hole, one cut, get downhill, and take off and fly. That's what he's good at. Like that's, And he does that better than almost anybody. I mean, he has elite type speed. You know, when Chuba hits the open field, it's a massive chunk gain or it's a touchdown. And if he lands on an NFL team, and he's get, he's given an opportunity to fall into a zone scheme like that where all he has to do is just make one cut and get downhill, uh, I think the ceiling could be extremely high in fantasy football because he will hit the home run at the next level. He does have that type of speed. We're in agreement here because, and especially with the zone blocking scheme specifically, they tried. So Sean Gleason was the offensive coordinator in Oklahoma at Oklahoma State in 2019. They changed to Casey Dunn in 2020. And I noticed a, a drastic difference as far as how they were utilizing and deploying Chuba Hubbard. And it was a lot of trying to force Chuba in between the tackles. They weren't running a ton of outside zone stuff in 2020, at least in the games that I watched. So that's taking away Chuba's greatest strength because he does not have the ability to shift his momentum side to side. He doesn't have great lateral mobility. Nope. So I do think that he's going to be best utilized. And when we say zone blocking scheme, what we mean by that is rather than identifying the offensive line, the protection, identifying the player that's directly in front of them and blocking that player, what they're doing is they're moving side to side and blocking a specific zone. So at that point, what the running back is able to do is they're moving laterally right they're moving east or west and then when they see an opening the offensive line has been able to move a defender who's on the move or whatever then they plant their left foot in the ground or if they're moving to the left they plant their right foot in the ground if they're moving to the right and they accelerate upfield they get upfield at that point that is what chuba needs to be successful because yep. for him to work in between the tackles and trying to move like with he doesn't have great footwork. So with him being able to try to move laterally side to side and shifting his momentum to be able to find these gaps and identify rushing lanes, it's just not going to work. It didn't work in 2020. His production, what over 2000 yards in 2019, yeah. right? Yep. And over felt just yards, felt yep. production fell off a cliff in 2020. It was just not there. And you see it all the time where he has trouble throttling down his momentum, being able to you know, when he is working 
uh, and building up momentum, being able to try to stop and start, it's just not in his game. So if you can get him in that scheme where he is able to just plant his foot, he doesn't have to think about it much. He's able to just work, see that open lane, hit it and go. Like you mentioned, I absolutely think, but he's also the guy that I'm going to include in my lowest floor because there Mm. are people that, and that's the next superlative lowest floor here, because I think that people are still going to buy into somewhat the 2019 production. And we just talked about like, it can work, but yet it is a huge guessing game. It is a huge mystery whether or not what happened in 2019 was a fluke, or if you can get that to replicate, because what you saw in 2020 is a frankly UDFA. Like that is just not a, an undrafted free agent. That is not a running back that I want to invest highly in. So his draft stock is now just a complete mystery. Does he go in the fourth round? I don't see him going higher than that. Correct me. Like, let me know if you see differently. I could easily see Chuba going undrafted, like just because there are going to be so many question marks surrounding him. So it's all going to come down to, is he going to get that opportunity? What scheme does he land in? Like that is just all going to play into Chuba's projection at the next level. And from a fantasy perspective, specifically, I'm not going to be willing to invest a ton in Chuba because he just does come with that ridiculously low floor based on where he goes in the NFL draft. So if you're drafting ahead of time, ahead of the NFL draft, like that's a situation where one, I don't recommend it. Uh, But two, I'm just going to be more reserved. And I think that there are still people based on ADP and the last that I saw, he was still going in like the second round of rookie drafts. That's a little bit too rich for me. You should see my face over here. I am, I am shocked. Yates. I am completely and thoroughly shocked. A UDFA. I don't think there's, here's, here's the thing for everything that Chuba is. And I think I even said that, um, when I started out, he's, he doesn't have exceptional agility, He's not powerful at all. He's probably the Clyde Edwards. Hilaire is bad in pass pro. Chuba Hubbard is worse in pass protection. Like he's he's terrible in that department, but he can catch the ball. And the thing that he does have is he's got the seasons. He's got, because he played well with justice Hill there. That's what put put him on my radar going into 2019. And then he has the monstrous, you know, third season. Like he has speed and the NFL is not going to let, a player six foot one, two hundred and seven, two hundred and ten pounds that can run as fast as he does, go below the person that I I think has one of the lowest floors in this class, and that's Ramondre Stevenson. I just don't see it with him. I, I tried yeah. very hard to get to look at it with an unbiased lens. Um, he had a couple of huge runs uh, in twenty nineteen versus uh, the Kansas Jayhawks, and then I believe South Dakota, uh, where he ripped off some big runs. Uh, I know he had a good Florida game this past season, but he's he's he too likes to try to bounce laterally, and that is definitely not his game because he yep. does not have the speed, the acceleration, or quickness to do that. Uh, he has, I think, he's got good power and contact balance. He's he's a physical runner, and I believe you had him as one of the best power backs, and yep. I, I can't disagree with that. Um, but he isn't going to make anybody miss. Uh, he just he lacks. I think with a player like Ramondre Stevenson, and it's either he's going to make the team and make the 53, or he's not going to be useful because he can't play on special teams. He's not that type of athlete to, to give you anything, whether that's a return man, a gunner. Like He's got to make the top three running backs, and I think if he does, he's going to be uh, the third-string guy. I, just, I, I don't see any path to relevancy 
for him because he doesn't do anything exceptional. You know, at least Chuba can run fast in a straight line. Sure. Stevenson can't even do that. So for me, that's a player. Uh, I, I, I think I have him ranked like RB 20, 21 in that's the fair. class. Like, yeah, I just, I'm just not feeling him. Yeah. And I will say this, like in this class specifically, and let me know your thoughts here, right? Outside of we get to RB five, RB six, maybe we're RB seven. Like, at that point, any of these guys from a fantasy yeah. perspective after that are completely landing spot <laughs> dependent. Like yeah. they, the path for them to have relevancy, they could either land in a great spot and be fantasy relevant, or they could be, you know, go later on in the draft and fall behind a veteran and they're never going to see the field. Like completely agree. So with any of these guys, like I'm not saying that Ramondre Stevenson, when I talk about him, like. I'm saying that I think he can have value if he gets an opportunity, but is he going to get that opportunity? Now with Chuba, you know, you were talking about him like as a UDFA. I don't personally think that he's going to end up as a UDFA, but you know, we, Matt Breida was a UDFA. Like he had a phenomenal pro day, right? The numbers that he put up were just ridiculous. And he had that same speed element. Now he had, of course, he's in the NFL. I don't know what his college injury history was like, if that caused the slide or whatever, but Brita was a UDFA. And he still had fantasy relevance for a period. He landed on a roster. Savon Ahmed last year was the same thing. So I think that it's not, I'm putting it in the realm of possibilities. Am I predicting that? By no means. I think that he's going to be a day three guy. Where in day three, I have absolutely no idea yeah. because I mentioned the mysteries there, right? What what does the NFL view him as? What do they, you know, he is scheme dependent. So is it an outside zone yeah. that limits, right? That limits the available teams that are going to be looking his direction. So all that can absolutely take a place in where he ends up and his uh, his fantasy outlook with Ramondre Stevenson. It's exactly the same thing. Does he go in the sixth round? Then at that point, yeah, he's got a low floor because he's never going to see the field, you know? So like, I completely agree it's just a matter of if he does get the opportunity, I think that he can have that Jordan Howard type impact because that's how I who I, who I compared him to, who I comped him to, because I think that with Howard, no one was coming out and saying that he was going to be this great, you know, running back. But Jordan Howard was an extremely valuable fantasy running back because he landed in an opportunity that gave him or a space that gave him the, that opportunity. So we'll I find out. What man. You, I think Go what ahead. you said is I think what you said is. Uh, to me, it's it's the biggest takeaway from this entire exercise, and we're not even finished yet. But um, you said after six or seven, I'd say after like four running backs, I just I don't particularly want any of them. You know what I mean? After about yeah. four guys, and we'll get to the rankings later. For me, it's about four that I want, and then after those four, if if I'm in the position and the, and that's the value, cool. But I'm just not really in you know ecstatic about many of these guys. Absolutely. And we will uh, continue the conversation here in part two as we move forward. But just running through our superlatives and our answers just to kind of recap here. So as we talked about the best power back in this class, uh, Ray mentioned Javante Williams. I touched on Najee Harris uh, and mentioned Ramondre Stevenson there as a sleeper. Most elusive running back. Ray went Najee Harris, uh, which is just a testament to how how good of a player Najee Harris is. I had Michael Carter running back out of UNC. The best receiving back, we both had Kenneth Gainwell, the running back out of Memphis. Highest ceiling, Ray went, excuse me, Ray went Chuba Hubbard. I went Travis Etienne or Kylan Hill. 
uh, as a kind of sleeper pick there. The lowest floor, Ray went with Ramondre Stevenson. I went with Chuba Hubbard. All right, man. So that does it for part one of the running back final evaluations here. We will move on to part two here in uh, just a few days. Though, just to look ahead at some of those superlatives that we'll be talking about, our toughest evaluation, the guy that gave us like the most fits as far as uh, scouting, and then our favorite day three running back. And then we're going to plant our flag here on a running back to say that this is my guy in the 2021 NFL draft class. And then, of course, running through our top 10 rankings. Ray, this was a good first episode, man. I feel good about the format here. How'd you feel about it? Yeah, this was fun. This was the best way that it, out of every fantasy show I've ever done to go through kind of our top guys, this has been the funnest way to do it. Like, this was really cool. I like this. I agree. If you who are listening like this format as well, please reach out on Twitter. I mean, you can find Ray on Twitter at RayGQ. That's Q-U-E. And I can be found on Twitter as well at KyleYNFL. Leave a review. Leave a YouTube comment. Again, at YouTube.com slash FantasyPros. Let us know what you think of the format. And if there is a another superlative, like get this comment in here before we do the next yeah. show. We might include a superlative there that you include and write down in a either a review or a comment for the YouTube yeah. show. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Again, thank you so much to Reality Sports Online for sponsoring today's show. Head over to Reality Sports Online to learn more about their fantastic platform. Ray, appreciate you, man. Appreciate this podcast. We will be back next Today is Thursday. Don't worry. I got it. Today is actually Thursday. We will be back next Monday oh, with man. another show, and uh, and we'll be hitting part two of the final running back evaluations. For Ray Garvin, I'm Kyle Yates, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasypros. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. 
Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.